This is Viviana, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. This is Gray. This is Podcast 71, and I'm here with author and screenwriter Viviana. How you doing, Vivi? I'm good. How are you doing, Gray? Doing very well, thanks. And I, I, this is actually really funny because, I mean, we've, we've interacted a lot on, on Twitter and by email, yeah. but I've never actually spoken to you. I know. This is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is really, really cool. And, and um, of course, you are one of the uh, co-founders of the TV Writer Chat, and you've been very active online. So I think there's, there's going to be a lot of people who, who are going to be excited to get to know a little bit more about you. I hope so. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and you do hail from Calgary? I am in Calgary, yep. Which, uh, so, wow, this is actually two in a row from my hometown, which is kind of neat. Yes, and you did uh, Angela Ackerman, who's from Calgary as well, the last podcast. Yep, very, very yep. cool. And I, I didn't plan it that yep. way, but that's that's just kind of neat. Yep. <laughs> cool. And, and you are an award-winning Canadian multi-published author in paranormal, romance, urban fantasy, sci-fi, and young adult under the, the name Tawny Stokes. Yeah. Um, and you've published, what, close to 23 books? 23 books in the last eight years. Wow. Very, yeah. very cool stuff. And you've yeah. also done screenwriting and TV writing, and yeah. you're trying to break in, and you've yeah. you've made some inroads, and so it's going to be really exciting to talk about that too. But why don't we go a little bit chronologically and tell okay. me tell me about um, sort of where and how you grew up and when you knew that you wanted to be a writer and how that manifested. Okay. Um, I Well, I grew actually born and raised in Calgary, which is probably, I'm probably the only one that has ever been born and raised and still here. Yeah. And um, I've always written. I've always told tall tales. My mom could attest to that. And so English class, of course, was my favorite class. I've always written, but I never really realized that I could pursue it as a career. So Mm -hmm. I never, I never followed that. And I went off and did some crazy stuff that didn't make any sense. Uh Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I was on the edge of divorce and pregnant that I realized, you know, writing is what I've always wanted to do. So I took the plunge and started writing, actually started writing short stories for men's magazines. Mm-hmm. So those really, you know, adult ma- magazines, <laughs> I, would, I used to write for them. They pay pretty good. And um, that's how I started writing. Back mm-hmm. writing was, was short stories to make some money because I was on my own now, single parent. So that's how that started. Very cool. And and how did that tr- transition into your novels? Well, I when I actually went from short stories to writing scripts, mm-hmm. I thought, hey, you know, love movies. I'll figure that out. So I bought a bunch of books, thought, okay, I could do this. So I wrote like seven or eight scripts. And then I um, figured, okay, how am I going to get it out here? So I got a Hollywood creative directory. Mm-hmm. And I just poured through that and started sending query letters out. And I actually got quite a bit a good response and I had a lot of scripts read mm-hmm. and I actually had a wonderful conversation with um, producer Butch Kaplan who mm-hmm. did the Red Shoe Diaries because my scripts at the time were also erotic mm-hmm. um, and we had a great conversation and he really he really um, supported me and really um, helped me and we actually still email to this day mm-hmm. and he's just been a great um, supporter of me. And then I, it just, I guess I got frustrated. It just, 
I have no patience, so of course it never <laughs> it never works fast enough, right? Yeah. So I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to write books, and I'm going to go in the back door that way. Mm-hmm. I'll write a great book, and it'll get options, and then I'll write the script, and uh-huh. I'll be famous, and all that stuff. So I've written all the books. And the other part hasn't happened yet. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I mean, 23, 23 books is pretty cool, and, it, and that must have um, gone a long way in supporting you. Absolutely. That's my full-time. That's what I do. It's mm-hmm. my full-time career is, is writing. Mm-hmm. And and also you are homeschooling as well, which which yeah. means uh, novel writing, I'm sure, would help that a lot. It does. It helps. Um, I homeschool my daughter, and I used to homeschool my niece. And um, I mean, English was easy. You know, language arts, that was the easy part. It's all the other stuff that was hard. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <that's> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, so that was... Um, since 2003 that you've written these 23 books, so 10 years, 23 books, That's you've yeah. been pretty busy with that. I've but been then, busy, yeah. You've also um, delved into TV writing. And yeah. um, so so tell me a bit more about the, the screen and TV writing side and, and what you've been able to accomplish so far in that. Okay. Um, I think it was about 2010 that I was... Um, I said, you know, I, I really want to screenwrite. I loved the process. And I thought, this, if I'm not going to do it, you know, if I'm ever going to do it, I need to do it now. My daughter is, you know, a teenager, and I'm like, it's it's time to do it. So um, I just started writing again. I wrote a screenplay, uh, actually a teen horror screenplay mm-hmm. called Speed Demons. And I, again, used Hollywood Creative Directory. I wrote a bunch of uh, query letters mm-hmm. and sent them out. And I got a great response. And then I had two actually producers email me and said they wanted to call to talk to me about, you know, this and that. So I called and one producer was he was on my website and saw all these books. And he was like, have you ever thought of adapting one of your books into a TV show? Mm. And at that time, I hadn't thought of that. So I was like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, okay. So he was like, you know, pitch something to me. So I pitched him my series that I've written for Harlequin called the Valorian Chronicles. And it's basically CSI meets true blood. Mm-hmm. And, um, he loved it and was just like, yeah, put something together. And I was like, I didn't know what he wanted because I don't know anything about TV writing. Uh-huh. So I actually put together like a, a Bible. I didn't write the script. I did the Bible first mm-hmm. and with pictures and it was all pretty and everything and graphic intensive. And I sent it to him and he was just like, he loved it. He was so much in love with it. So he contacted Harlequin mm-hmm. about um, optioning the books. Yeah. And Harlequin, it was quite an interesting story because Harlequin pushed us, kept like kept pushing us for months and months. Like they wouldn't deal with it for some mm. reason. And they wouldn't talk to me about it and they wouldn't talk to him about it. And I was like, what is going on? And what they were doing is they were actually hiring an agent to handle the option. Wow. And... Um, so I ended up talking to the agent, Joel Gottler was his name. And I mean, long story short, the option didn't go through, mm-hmm. with the, but I ended up talking, connecting with Joel and he decided that he was going to be my Hollywood manager Okay. from that. So that was my first, you know, big step into, into the industry. And then we talked and worked on some other stuff. And of course, you know, People get hot on you, and then they get cold on you. 
you know, well, it, it, it actually, you know what? It, I hope you don't mind if we pause there for a little bit. No. I, I've had just a, a tiny bit of experience with this. Um, I I found I, I used to love the Gordon Corman novels uh, when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. He's a very popular Canadian um, writer for for sort of youth novels. Yep. And uh, and there was a very obscure novel of his that I I had read on a whim and and thought you know th- this would be cool to adapt. Mm-hmm. And I, I I went to the um, to the publisher, and I I just hadn't realized how difficult it was to get through those gatekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> and and here you I mean here you are an author who wants to work with this producer. Yeah, and, and it's my book. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so can you can you tell me just a little bit more detail about that? Like, is this something that just was because of that particular series, or do you think it's the, it's because of the like True Blood, True, True Blood, and Harry Potter, and all, all these series that have been mega mega franchises? That are they getting greedy, or or what what is this? Well, I think what happened, and this is a different circumstances. Harlequin typically an author retains their film rights mm-hmm. and TV rights. So that they can negotiate the option clause. But in Harlequin's sense, they actually keep and own all the rights, TV rights and film rights to all of their books. Wow. They're the only publisher that does it. Really? Yes. So they, I mean, in essence, I mean, I get a big chunk of the option, if it ever option, and they get a little chunk, but they have the, they own the right to negotiate and to decide. Very interesting. And I was upset because I thought the money they were asking for the option to me was way too high, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And especially since I wanted to work with this guy. Yeah. And I had a script and a treatment and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And they just wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, negotiate. Yeah. That is, that is a good cautionary tale um, because I know that that I mean as as you mentioned that this is a yeah. very very common a very common mm-hmm. advice that I've heard is is if somebody kind of has leanings towards either novels or graphic novels to pursue those angles yeah. first to create a property to create a yeah. franchise and then move that to yeah. screen or TV um, I think it's it's a a, a natural thing that people might go through this, it, that if they have interest in publishing, that they might not look as closely to the contracts that they're, they're signing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it would be, imp- and obviously if, if a company like Harlequin has a general policy that they just don't, then that's yeah. one thing. But I think it's important um, for people to have this in mind that if you have a chance to publish your material in another form to try to keep those rights. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be like, if, I mean, I've, I've signed other contracts since then with other publishers and that's always been my number one thing is mm-hmm. I'm keeping the motion picture and TV rights. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I that's mean, a deal breaker. I will not sign a contract now that won't give me those rights because, because of that. Yeah. Because, you know, and now I know, I know how often, uh, production companies go to the bookstore and look for ideas. I mean, that's a lot of stuff is being adapted and mm-hmm. bought and optioned. So that's yeah. So if you're writing books, make sure you're keeping those rights because you never know. Yeah, Ima- I mean, imagine. This, imagine this, if, this was going to go. I mean, this was yeah. going to happen, and it didn't because of that. Wow. So I mean, we ended up. The producer and I are still 
we we back and forth on other uh, projects, and we're I mean we're still very very tight and still trying to find something to work work mm. on together. But that well, was just like that that might have been sorry that that might be one case where um, I've heard of people going back to their previous project projects after they get some traction on on other yep. stuff. Like, so that might be something yeah. that you can go back can to. Go back to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I have the script. The script's written. It's good. And, well, at least I think it's good. <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that's always going to be there just in case that uh, if I all of a sudden, you know, get hot and everything's going great, then that's something I could, you know, go back to for sure. Mm. Well, t- tell me also about, um, have you, uh, I, I know that you had a a pilot adapted from one of your books, be a finalist in, in the Austin and Slamdance film yeah. festivals. Um, have festivals and contests been part of your strategy? Um, n- no, not really. I And and that also comes from my publishing background as well. I mean, in publishing, there's lots of contests, lots mm-hmm. of contests for, and then I, I would, I used to enter contests publishing um if only the final editor was somebody i really wanted to work with mm. to get assuming that i'm going to final because i went into it always assuming i was going to final even mm. if i didn't you know didn't always so i never i guess with i when i look at contests i always see what what is the final possible outcome mm-hmm. you know and i see a lot of contests you know you, yeah you get i'm not in i don't enter a contest to get notes and and stuff like that because not that I think I'm beyond that but I have people that I trust and you know good people that I trust that I get notes and consultations from and stuff so mm-hmm. I don't go into a contest you know for I, I'm looking for a contest that would you know get me in front of somebody or talk to an executive so that was a I think it was just a whim when I entered and uh, that I was actually that script is actually the one that was the Harlequin. Oh, I see. Okay. About Harlequin books, yeah. So even if it had, you know, gone on and, you know, I'm not sure anything would have come out of it, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, I did be- before answer- before we do leave that, um, was the issue with them strictly the money? Um. Well, I, I, I mean, I mean, you don't really know, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, according to the production company or the producer they felt that it was too much money, mm-hmm. too much. They were asking too much money. So and he was like not willing to, because I know just from talking to other authors and stuff like that, you know, options can be really, really low. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes um, producers will even look for a, um, a no option, like a no money option yeah. for them to shop your work. So I think, you know, at that time, I think, you know, I'm a nobody, you know, I, my book's not huge. It's not the hunger game, <laughs> but, you know, it's yeah. uh, not Twilight. So it wasn't like, you know, this huge, gigantic book. So I think they were looking at it that way, going, well, you know, it has a lot of, you know, sales and stuff. I had good sales on it, but maybe not enough for them to um, put out that, that kind of money. Well, it, it it is a fascinating, fascinating world that has had fascinating developments lately. Uh, yes. I mean, I've, I've heard of, you know, script. Um, properties like the Hunger Games, where the the company that eventually will make the movie of it starts mm-hmm. pumping millions of dollars into advertising the book first. I know, I know, I know. 
the whole thing baffled me actually when it all went down. I was just like, really? Like that didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. I cannot say any more on it because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and I mean that, that might be a case too, where, where, um, if a company like that, um, was interested, yeah. um, it might be the kind of thing where they would, they might reprint your book and, yes, and absolutely. remarket it and yeah. drum up interest in it before, yeah. um, going that way. But so yeah. anyway, there's, there's just, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating, very big world yes. out there, uh, in that, Definitely. in that respect. But uh, why don't we move on and talk about you, you do live in Calgary. And you are trying to break into Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, it's hard. <laughs> That's the first thing. Um, I I guess the resources I've been using is old-fashioned query letters, and they seem to work, have been working um, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have met um, and con- connected with a few um, producers and production companies, and that will continually read my work. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we haven't hooked on anything yet, but I will continue to send them stuff in, until we do. Um, I, I've also used Inktip, their resources, and um, I've also used Virtual P- Pitch Fest. Mm-hmm. And I've actually gotten some um, good requests from there, and I've made a really good connection with another produ- production company through them who are mm-hmm. always uh, reading my stuff. Um, Twitter, of course, has been, believe it or not, the biggest. Mm-hmm. connector uh, for me. Yeah, I mean, I've met so many people. I've met you and Jamie Livingston and Zach Sanford and Sarah Newman. Of course, we're all together and doing TV writer chat. And, you know, from there, you meet other people, you know. Through you, I've met Sterling Anderson, mm-hmm. and that has been a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Sterling has been a big, um, a big support for me, and... Um, he actually helped me have, um, get my new manager. I have a new manager. And oh, very cool. Sterling was instrumental in um, doing that. He read a TV script I'd sent him. Mm-hmm. He loved it. He sent it forward. And she loved it. And, you know, so she's been, well, obviously, pitch, pitch, pitch season's over, so we got to wait till next pitch season. But um, it, we did go out with it and mm-hmm. a lot of great response and stuff, so... Now I feel like I have to like strike now, mm-hmm. you know, my name is a little bit out there. So now I feel like I have to get out there, but it is, it is difficult. Um, but I think it can be done. Mm-hmm. It's just, I get, it take a lot longer. Yeah. I think if I lived down in LA, I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty sure I'd be working mm-hmm. uh, on a show or, you know, done something for sure. Now, I mean, I, logistically, do you are you prepared to do you do you fly down to LA for meetings or do you do everything remotely? I've gone down a couple times for meetings, mm-hmm. um, and I am I've always told people I I can drop at a hat and go tomorrow. Like I I have the resources and the time and inclination to go down whenever I need to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, so if someone calls that we need meetings, you know, tomorrow or whatever, I could fly, no problem, down and stay there as long as I needed to. Um, to move down there now, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'd have to be, I would have to have something. I'd have to, I mean, nothing is for sure, obviously. Yeah. 
But um, maybe in, I, I wouldn't say no, I won't move down there. But I know that if I want to work on a show, obviously I have to move down there. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just plain and simple. I mean, I would love to work on a Canadian show, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome, but I know that is almost impossible <laughs> to do. Well, and, you, and <laughs> you would have to move to Toronto or Vancouver. Yeah, no, Toronto and Vancouver, which is, you know, it would be easier for me mm-hmm. to go to Toronto or Vancouver. You know, it's it's hard sometimes because I'm a single parent and my daughter, um, who's 14, she's my number one priority. Mm-hmm. And... um and I know what she wants to do. She wants to go to dance school. She wants to go to Cirque du Soleil school in Montreal. So I know these things are coming and, and that she comes first. And I've always, I've been up front with people uh, that I've talked to that that's um, my main priority. But yeah, eventually I would probably move mm-hmm. for sure. If I, you know, if I knew there was going to be a job or, you know, an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in that kind of situation uh, where, mm-hmm. I mean, it, if you're a young 20-something and you have no obligations, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're yeah. a 40-something and you've got kids, yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's different. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know for sure, but just from being down um, was it last year I was down for meetings and talking to people and I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's ageism, but I know that, you know, writing on a show, starting on a show, it's a young person's game. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, 20 something interns going in and working and starting. And I don't know if I'm, I'm not, you know, 20. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know. It's, um, it's hard to say. It's like, I wanted, I want to work, you know, have a show, but you know, there's limitations for me and I feel you know, sometimes that's not fair either way for me or for the, you know, for the company or, yeah, or the it's, show. It's kind of interesting. I, I mean, I, I have hit this a lot in, and if you create the next Buffy or yeah. Vampire Diaries, yeah, you'll have no problems. Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it, too. It's like, you know what? <laughs> It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and particularly yeah. if it, particularly if you have marketable properties slash franchises, mm-hmm. um, uh, from from what I've heard that once you break in, yeah, there are a lot of writers in their forties and fifties in yeah. these writers' rooms, and and from what I hear, the the more established showrunners actually appreciate the life experience, right, of of uh, sort of more mature folk, mm-hmm. um. Yeah. I I do feel like even though the the prevailing wisdom everybody tells you 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 have to get an assistant job and work for years yeah. um and that's the path in I do feel like for people in the older bracket that that's not necessarily the yeah. track that we should take in um yeah. I think part part of that track is for a younger untried person mm-hmm. is um they're building up that experience that we might have been able to accumulate in other, in other parts of the yeah. industry or other types of writing. But yeah. uh, there's there's no hard rules, and I and I think that uh, I mean if you if you're walking in with twenty three books, yeah, you've got a little bit more um, than somebody who just graduated from school. <laughs> 
I, no, I agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, I find that like when I write a query letter or I'm talking to someone, I always lead with uh, that. I always lead with, I have, yeah. you know, 23. I've, I've written a lot of books. I know how to write. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, that's not my issue. You know, I know how to work on deadline. I know how to work with other people. Um, and, you know, it's just getting the right idea at the right time to the right person. I mean, it's, it's the same in book. books. Are, and books aren't exactly the same because, you know, there's not that much of, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, ah, I would say money, but investment mm-hmm. from, from a publisher. It's still an investment, but not like, you know, a TV show where it's like a million dollars or something like that, you know, to do a, bi- a, do a pilot. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's let's move on and talk a little bit about um, I, which the thing that I think is is going to be the biggest take home for people watching this podcast, and that's that um, even from the blog posting you did on TV Writer Chat, yeah. when people hear about your work ethic, I think that they are going to be. Um, <laughs> perhaps challenged <laughs> tell, tell me about okay first you start with eight scripts 23 novels you're you're writing more features tv pilots um and you're a single parent and homeschooling yeah tell me yeah. some and i get eight hours of sleep every night <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm blessed with not needing as much sleep as as a regular person uh, i don't know how that happened but um uh, yeah, if you can manage eight hours of sleep, tell me how you do it. Give us some tips. Okay, some tips. Um, I think the first thing is that when I, I'm, I've trained myself to write. Mm-hmm. Um, it is writing is is a habit. You need to form that habit. So I don't wait for the muse to strike. I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lazy way to write personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing at this point is a business. So you have to treat it as such. So I sit down at my computer or in my chair because I write longhand. Um, I write my books longhand. I screen write on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit down every day at the same time. Mm-hmm. Probably three o'clock, usually two thirty, three o'clock when I'm done all my domestic stuff and homeschooling and stuff. I sit down 2.30 and I train my brain that this is the time to write, mm-hmm. not to create, create character sketches or to outline or to um, look for pictures of inspiration or anything or research. That That is not when I do that. When I sit down to write, it is, it is words on page, mm-hmm. period, sentences, scenes, whatever it is. And I will write straight for two or three hours. And then I will take a break because I think that you need to take a break. And I read somewhere and I wish I can remember where I read it, that you can only concentrate for about an hour and a half to two hours on one thing at one time. Mm-hmm. Then you start to wander and your brain starts to, you know, fatigue. So you need to get up and take a break. So I always take up, take a break. And that is the time that I'll do research mm-hmm. or character sketches or an outline or anything that's not essential writing, uh, all the pre-writing. I do that at that point in time. And then I will go back and write again uh, for another three hours. So mm-hmm. I try and write at least five to six hours a day, every wow. day, every day, seven days a week. And 
I, I also write on multiple projects at one time. Mm. I will work on, like right now I'm working on um, rewriting two novels. I'm working on rewriting a script, working on writing, finishing a script, and I'm outlining um, a treatment for the new pilot for the mm. TV writer chat pilot program. Well, and, and that actually, if I can pause you for a second, yeah. is um, it's one of the best kept secrets of, of professional writers is that it's actually easier often to write more than one project because, because you can shift gears when you exhaust yourself on one. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't that you have to stop writing no. because you you might be totally fresh on the second thing. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always written many things at one time. Mm-hmm. And and even in different different genres, different things, because I have to. It's the way my brain will work. I I can't concentrate on one thing for too long. I might mm-hmm. have OCD. I'm not sure. It's possible. <laughs> um. So yeah, it is like you said. It's just, I, and I'll be like, I'm like, I don't want to write this anymore. This, uh, I you know, I can't write this scene anymore. So, but boy, I really like. You know, I really got an idea for this other scene over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go and work on something else. I I advocate that, and I mean, I do know uh, writers, especially authors. Um, I, I imagine the screenwriters are different, but um, authors that work on one thing at mm-hmm. a time and until they're done. But they'll like, you know, write a, you know, a friend of mine, she can write a a whole novel like ninety thousand words in like three weeks. Wow, that's just crazy to me. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I do, I do think with a novel, with a novel, you've got to keep a lot bigger world in your head. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas with uh, with screenwriting and especially TV writing, it's yeah. uh, one of the biggest challenges is limiting yourself. Yes, definitely. And it's sometimes I do find it hard to switch from novels to screenwriting. I'll find that when I'm writing, like. Um, a scene on a screen and a screenplay that I'm writing too much mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, and I'm putting description in and all this kind of yeah. stuff thoughts. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not supposed to do that. But I find that I personally think that my screenwriting, because I screen, I, I started screenwriting first before I started novels, I think has made me a better novelist. Mm-hmm. And then writing all the novels, I think has also made me a better screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cool. you use, you, you know, you'd use different parts of your brain. You know, it's, it's you, so much introspective in novels. And then, but I love writing dialogue and action, which helps me, of course, with, with screenplays. Very, very cool. And, and tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, you've got 23 novels now and all these scripts. Yeah. Um, and, and you've mentioned about when you sit down that you're just doing the writing. What is your idea creation process? Like, where where do you go? What What's your well for ideas and characters and plots and things like that? Um, hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I do, music influences me quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, I'll hear a tune and I'll be like, or a piece of uh, a lyric and I'll think, ah. I'd make a great story idea. Mm-hmm. I'd make a great title. I'd make, you know, wow, I wonder if someone really acts that way. You know, maybe that'd be a great character. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't think I have, I mean, I've never, I've never had a problem 
about not having ideas. I mm-hmm. have probably a hundred ideas a day <laughs> that I have to write down and it's like, Bleh. and that's my problem is I have too much things mm. that I'm thinking about and too many ideas. And of course, not all of them are viable. You know, some of them are stupid. You know, you think, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll write that one, but that's just dumb. And it's not until you start processing it and, and you know, writing it out that you realize, oh, that's, that's not a good idea. I'll just, you know, scrap that one. Music, yeah, big thing. You know, TV will influence me writing books. Mm-hmm. And some of the books I'll read influence me on what kind of scripts I want to write. Um, mostly, yeah, it's um, the news. You know, I read the paper every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you can always have a wealth of information in there. I mean, all kinds of crazy ideas will show up. Mm-hmm. You know, and then my, my, most of my ideas tend to like go towards the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So I'm always, you know, vampires are always popping up in the middle <laughs> of things and, you know, crazy stuff like that. So, and I think that stems back to my childhood when I, I grew up reading Stephen King. Yeah. You know, when I was 10, nine or 10, that's what I grew up on. I didn't read Nancy Drew and all that kind of stuff. It was like, no, it was The Shining and uh-huh. Salem's Lot. That was my bedtime stories. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was all sci-fi. Well, so, yeah, it's sci- <laughs> sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I didn't get into fantasy until, like, probably not until my early 20s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's move on a little bit and um, yeah. and talk a bit about the TV Writer Chat pilot program. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've been into it uh, for a few weeks now. Tell me about your impressions so far. Oh, I think it's fabulous. When Jamie told us about it i was just like this is fabulous i love i love community i love learning i love teaching i love being around other writers so this was just like yes let's do this and um i I think it's great i I love being a a mentor as much as i can um the group i have is is awesome there's been a lot of great ideas floating Mm -hmm. around and and um it's it's amazing the enthusiasm and community that this has has spawned. Mm. You know, the last few chats have just been so exciting. Yeah. Everybody's so excited and enthusiastic about it and it's it's just breathed new life into the T V writer chat on Sunday. And I just love seeing it and I, I think there's some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And and what would you say your tips are on on how people can get the most out of this program? Um, I think it would be to come to every chat, not just the ones that um, are mandatory, but come to every chat and submerse yourself in the community. Mm. Talk to other people. Talk, you know, connect and develop a relationship with the other people in your group or just, you know, on, on the Sunday night Twitter, um, on the Sunday night chats. Mm-hmm. Um, now I lost my train of thought. And, and also the partners, <laughs> partners are, are I th- partners. That's right. Yeah. A big part now, of it. It's a big part of it. And I just seeing my own group, you know, interact with each other and helping each other and, um, throwing out ideas for each other. And it's, um, it's quite spectacular. I mean, I, there's um, eight, no, ten people in my group. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody's got about ten people. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like four or five groups. So there's like 50 or 60 people involved in this. Yeah. You know, that's 
that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, writers helping writers. I mean, you know, elevating everybody. Um, I think it's fabulous. I think there's going to be some good. I think there's going to be some great pilots at the end. I really yeah. do. Yeah. And uh, and it's great just to be motivated. I, motivated. I know, uh, yes. It's yes. so so easy to get busy on yep. things without actually accomplishing anything. I agree. And I think if you're not like for me, you know, I'm. This is my job. This is what I do. I write. Mm-hmm. So I write every day. It's it's. I'm motivated to write because I need to pay. Yeah. You know my bills. So, um, and I've been like that probably for the last. Well, I haven't had a job job for like six years. So, mm-hmm. um, so for me to see other people struggling with finding the time to write and stuff, I find. Um, you know, I want to help to you because I, I've been there. I mean, before I quit my job, I had, I worked also. Um, I worked, I wrote, I homeschooled, you know, for years before I was able to, to quit. Mm-hmm. And so I understand about trying to find time, you know, but we all have 24 hours and you just have to make time. Mm-hmm. You just have to do it. And so. You know, I'm hoping, you know, that our tips and, you know, our mentorship can help people um, be able to sit down and, and take that time and write and do something that, because a lot of, for a lot of people, I think they've always said, oh, I've always wanted to write. I've always wanted to do this. Mm. And this has given them an opportunity or an excuse to do it. Mm. And I think that's fabulous. Very, very cool. Well, I think uh, we're going to have to wrap things up. Um, you've got a website, Viviana.net. Yes. And Twitter, author Viviana. Yes. Um, so make sure to follow and bookmark that site. And uh, how would you like to end? Yeah, uh, what, are, what are your goals or do you have any tips? Um, anything that you'd like to leave everybody with? I would say um, if you're going to write, sit down and write. Don't talk about it. Do it. That's my motto. Just do it. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) If it works for Nike, it can work for us. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's as as far as we can go. So I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, well, it's been great to actually connect with you. Yes, you too, Gray. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com the leading source for scriptwriting information in print and on the web.